You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of them did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, Shane. We got some news here. Well, of course, we're going to go around the SEC, but kind of, you know, not huge news, but just very interesting news got dropped on us on Tuesday. Let's just start right there in Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to preview the uh, Tennessee-South Carolina game here in just a moment, but got to start with the latest news here on the NCAA recruiting violations, Shane. For anyone that missed it, the Gamecocks got tagged. This is a while back, but uh, I had no idea this was coming. And uh, Mm -hmm. just announced here on Tuesday by the NCAA and South Carolina. So uh, they've already kind of, you know, worked together hand in hand. And uh, I believe it's a level two violation, which is not bad. What you want to avoid is level one. Those are the serious violations. And I'm kind of surprised this is even level two. So uh, basically, what's going to happen here, Shane? Well, first of all, I'll say what happened here according to the NCAA and South Carolina. Just some uh, impermissible text messages between a former mm. assistant coach and a player. And I'm told that that former assistant, Shane, is the only assistant coach that is not currently retained from last season. Lance Thompson, defensive line coach who a lot of SEC fans should know. He's, he's coached at Tennessee, he's coached at Auburn, he's coached at Alabama, formerly South Carolina defensive line coach. He's the one, apparently, that did this. And it just sounds like he sent, he sent some text messages, nothing nefarious, no dick pics, nothing like that. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of confused as to why this is a big deal. I thought, uh, I thought the coaches, for the most part, maybe outside of the non- non-contact period, this supposed to came during the non-contact period, I thought they were allowed to pretty much send text messages whenever. I just didn't think they were allowed to call. But uh, it, it just a series of text messages. I believe it was. For, Wasn't it because it, it was a sophomore, though? Uh, Well, he did. That's kind of what it, there was a junior day event. This guy came. He was a sophomore. I believe they're allowed to. Junior day is uh, not necessarily just for juniors, to my understanding. I think I think freshmen, sophomores, anyone that's uh, uh, not a senior can come to those, as far as I understand it. But uh, not a huge deal. The biggest thing here for South Carolina, they've just been put 
on a one-year probation. And there's mm. there's not a lot that comes with that, thankfully. It's not like they're, they're not getting the death penalty. They're not losing any scholarships. But the big thing with that, if they get tagged with anything, any other recruiting violations, they're going to be in a world of trouble. So that's kind of uh, the big thing there. The unnamed coach who, from all indications I've been told, it's Lance Thompson, a one-year show cause. Uh, and South Carolina is not allowed to recruit this kid. And I think he committed to Clemson, so it's pretty easy to put two and two together. It sounds like uh, someone over at Clemson may have turned in the Gamecocks <laughs> here. So I guess when they're not doing steroids, they're ratting on South Carolina. But oh yeah, just wanted to get that information out of the way. It's kind of um, South Carolina also had to pay a $10,000 fine. This is some damn expensive-ass text messages, but... Uh, just an interesting day here, and, and it could have been a lot worse for South Carolina. Not saying what they did, I don't think it was that bad, but uh, whenever you hear recruiting violations and all this, you think doom and gloom. But uh, I, I think if I'm a South Carolina fan, not happy with this, but happy of the fact that we're not really in some real trouble. Oh, Thompson and those group text messages. You know, I can't get out of them. He sends them to me all the time. <laughs> Oh, they did make it sound like it was real bad there for a minute, but uh, I think we're going to be fine. We just, like you said, you you, you got to just be real careful, you know, because if you get hit with something during this time frame, man, they're going to they're gonna bring down the hammer. So, uh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it, and I think it's stupid, you know, especially, I mean, this right here, I think we were talking like 13 text or something like that, you know, something that, you know, some of these coaches didn't have to deal with 20 years ago. There was no such thing as text messages, and now it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. something I did here, and I don't know if this is true or not, that this was like uh, – that there was other things uh, that was going on, and we filtered it down to this situation. Is that Have you heard anything like that? Like there was some – worse allegations and we just filtered down to what they uh, agreed upon uh no because in the official report from the ncaa in south carolina it doesn't say that there's any unagreed upon issues so okay not anything that i'm seeing here but this would certainly make sense why thompson's now at uh, he's with kiffin believe it or not at fau <laughs> the only coach not retained by muschamp uh, this last cycle and uh, you know, they hired the former Arkansas defensive line coach, John Scott Jr., who I think the Gamecocks have been getting a lot better on the defensive line. So I think that was a all-around a solid hire. Basically, he's not going to get him in recruiting trouble, and he's going to develop the lineman a little bit better. I think South Carolina on that end of the spectrum came out well ahead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've we sure. seen what happened at Arkansas. So <laughs> they're, they're missing him, you know what? Yeah, I'd love to see Lane's text, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got some doozies on there too. So, right there on the company phone, it's just a matter of time for he gets popped for something. You know, it just feels like he's due. <laughs> All right, Shane. So you ready to go around the league? Oh yeah, buddy. Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. Uh, my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you 
start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, so we already started there in Columbia. Let's just stay there because Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday. Well, before we get to Muschamp, Shane, I wanted to get this out of the way. Obviously, South Carolina and Tennessee fans both very frustrated with the officiating, and they, they have every right to complain, and a lot of things went against them, obviously in the against Florida and against Alabama. Uh, we talked about that at length already this week. And so I don't want to focus a ton on the officials and all this. And I mean, that's kind of behind us here. But Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt were asked about it to start this week. So I figured out we play these clips, have them back-to-back talking about the officiating and what's going on there, and then we can move on uh, with a matchup preview. I jotted some notes down uh, from Sunday uh, that I felt, and then uh, I got a text from Commissioner Sankey Sunday night uh, that they were still in the review process. And they're still working through that, I'm assuming. I know that Coach Tanner has been tirelessly working for us and uh, getting some answers about what occurred on Saturday. And, uh, and I know he's representing us in a first-class manner, and he's obviously very upset, as a lot of us are, uh, uh, with some occurrences on Saturday afternoon. So we're still working through that at this time. One quick clarification and then a separate question. You are expecting to hear back from the SEC? Well, I would hope so. Well, to, to start with on the officiating, okay, um, you know, I, I'll be the first to tell you that I fully support Steve Shaw and everything that goes about the SEC with our officials. It's a tough job. It's a very tough job. Uh, things happen really fast. There's probably three or four things that happen in the game that I'm complaining to the officials about, and I was wrong, okay? When I watched the tape, they were right, and I was wrong, you know? Um, now, there's probably three or four other things that happened in that game all right, that I don't agree with, okay? And there's, no, there's nothing that Steve could tell me or, or anybody else could tell me that I would agree with what, was, what happened in the game, whether it was a flag on us or not a flag on us, okay? Um, and... and Hey, we make mistakes as coaches, okay, and they're going to make mistakes as officials. Um, players make mistakes. We all do, right? Nobody's perfect. Um, but there's a few critical plays in that game, and I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game, not saying that. And there was probably some against us too. Uh, but unfortunately, we're all held accountable. And from an accountability <coughs> standpoint, uh, it's, it, it's tough, you know. What's the repercussions here, you know? Uh, the call on Daryl Taylor was absolutely not a penalty. It's not a penalty, okay? Um, would it change the game? I don't know. I know they would have punted instead of going on and scoring that possession. Could they have scored the next possession? Sure, you know. Um, was there a couple of things in there that I felt like they took shots on our quarterback? Absolutely. Uh, their kids are playing hard just like our kids did, but we had a couple of targeting calls the last two weeks and the definition of targeting you know, the, fish, the officials in the game, they throw one, right? But it gets overruled in Birmingham or from the replay booth or whatever. I don't know, just the consistency there. Uh, it's a tough deal for everybody involved, and the accountability's uh, even tougher. You, you mentioned the, the targeting on Daniel. What did you think of that, and, and kind of what did you think of the way he tried to go in and make that play? To me, the, the 
where Daniel got throughout the game for targeting, I, I think it is targeting. He hit the guy with the crown of his helmet. Uh, I don't know where he hit him at, but it doesn't matter. Okay, And I really don't know what I could tell Daniel to do any different because the guy's six inches off the ground. It's hard to go from here to there without hitting him there. And so it is what it is, okay? But there's also rules to it um, that, in my opinion, there was probably a couple other targetings in the game that wasn't called, okay? And that's what I don't understand because that goes back to uh, the replay booth, you know, to protect the game. So uh, we'll see. All right, Shane, so Jeremy Pruitt, I couldn't tell if that was him speaking or you because there's a lot of the same spiel here, <laughs> not agreeing with these calls. Uh, I thought the most interesting thing, yeah, yeah, Pruitt had a little bit more to say there, but Muschamp, the fact that uh, he says Greg Sankey reached out to him via text message, you know, not that it really helps. It's not going to change the outcome of the game, but and he didn't really reveal, you know, specifics of that conversation, but certainly seems like the commissioner of the SEC – admitted in, in a way that uh, he was unhappy with the calls from the South Carolina-Florida game, and at least South Carolina's got that for him. Yeah, I'm telling you what, man. Old Sankey and SEC officiating have got a lot of accounts muted right now because I'm telling you, the <laughs> last two days I have seen them tag, no joke, at least 10,000 times it felt like. And I, and I keep going on their page. I don't see the, I don't see them respond to anything. SEC officiating hasn't done anything in four days. I mean, they just their count's probably locked down. Their inbox is so full. So it it, it happened, Mike. You know what I'm saying? It's it's tough. It was tough. I, I get it. It's tough for South Carolina. It's just as tough for Tennessee. But you know, I'm done. I I I, I wallowed in it as long as I can. I that's it's not going to change any of the outcomes. I think it, it made both these teams stronger. Um, you know, kind of feels like they both got that chip on their shoulder that they're they got the world against them. You know, so mm-hmm. South Carolina's got other stuff to worry about, um, and so does Tennessee. I mean, these teams play play each other, and I don't want to. I, I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to focus on this week because we just got a few days, and and these cats are meeting. You know. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, one last thing on the official, Shane. Just wanted to get your interest on this because uh, yeah, after listening to the, both these coaches, I kind of thought of something. You know, I, I've touched on the fact that I think the SEC should hire full-time officials. I think that would help because mm-hmm. all these guys, you know, they have other jobs and whatnot. How would you feel about uh, maybe at the end of the week, maybe on Sunday or Monday, obviously after the games, the SEC, I don't know if you could do it official by official, but maybe the crew, what have you, if they publicly released rankings of their officials, and I'm not saying like it's not going to be like number one, number two or anything, but maybe yeah. if, if the Tennessee fans found out that the, that crew got a fucking F grade, <laughs> I think they would be happy to hear that and maybe make sure that these officials don't, call like the sec championship game if they're not if they if they have some failing grades does that make sense yeah i see what you're saying uh, i think the problem though is it's kind of like raising a kid man you got you got a husband and a wife and uh you gotta have a united front okay so that means if if you've got a set of rules uh let's just say the dad for instance and he he tells the child you know you can't do abc mm-hmm but the mom says, okay, you can't do 
B, C, D, you can get away with A. It's not a united front. You see what I'm saying? And it creates a problem when raising that kid. Same thing with refs. You know, this targeting stuff, uh, You we're not getting it with every game, you know? I mean, that situation, the reason I was so upset with the targeting and something Pruitt talked about is because that was not the original. The, the, the game was stopped to see if he was in the end zone. But when they slowed the game down, they witnessed a targeting. Well, if you slow every play down, there are going to be kids ejected left and right. So that's what I hate is because when you have penalties that are not black and white, you know, if somebody's running and you grab their jersey and you could clearly see that jersey pulled, that's a holding penalty. But targeting can be situational. And when you slow it down – you know, like I said, it's happened multiple times a game. So let's get back to the United front. Let's take this tape of the Tennessee game. If this is the new standard, then let's create that standard. This needs to be perfected. This needs to be done with every ball game here on out. I don't want to watch one next week, and when I slow it down, I see two or three targetings that weren't called, but because it wasn't in relation to an end zone play or a first down or some reason to instant replay it, it doesn't get called. you see what I'm saying? It's just I, 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 I don't like those type of rules. It's, it just manipulates the game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to the matchup here, Shane, before we go down a damn rabbit hole of referees, <laughs> but... Uh... You know, this is going to be a really interesting matchup for both these squads. I think particularly for Tennessee trying to reach the postseason. I, I think you can make the same argument for South Carolina. You know, the loser of this game, not eliminated from the postseason, but specifically Tennessee. I don't know if there's an opportunity for them to reach the postseason if they lose this one. South Carolina, it's going to be tough if they drop this one. If they win it, so I would say certainly going to make the postseason. So a lot riding on it for both these coaches. And obviously they're both going to be – we don't know who Tennessee is going to play, but I got a good feeling it's not going to be Jared Garantano. So we're talking <laughs> two inexperienced quarterbacks for the most part. Helinski, it's easy to not look at him as a true freshman after playing so long, but that he still is. He's still going to have growing pains, particularly on the road in a hostile Neyland Stadium. And now it sounds like Rico Dowell, he's going to likely be out. He's not been officially ruled out, but, I mean, he's been South Carolina's best running back. I know Tavian yeah. Feaster had a great game last weekend against Florida, but until that breakout game, it was Dowdle pretty much all season. So mm-hmm. that's a blow. Um, any chance – I mean, I'm not really seeing much of a chance that this is going to be a high-scoring game. This may be, you know, first team to 17, 20 points, what have you, is going to win this ball game. Yeah, man, and I'm telling you, I've got a good buddy. He's uh, his. I mean, he's a Gamecock fan. He won't admit it, but he is. And uh, his his wife and all her family's Gamecocks, and you know, they just feel like they're going to just come in there and just kill Tennessee. You know, they see Tennessee, they see a team that lost to Alabama, mm-hmm. lost to Georgia, a team that they beat. They see Georgia State. You know, something that he mentioned. So, I the problem that South Carolina can get into is overlooking a team like Tennessee because Tennessee does have some weapons and can be dangerous. So um, do they overlook the Tennessee Volunteers? Well, I don't know if they're really going to be overlooking them because they're not really in a position to be overlooking them. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, like I said, if they lose this one somehow, I don't think they're going to go to the postseason. I really don't with, with what they've got in the back end. So 
And, and just these two teams, they just always, in the last, I don't know, 10 years, it just seems like it comes down to the final <laughs> possession of the game. You know, it comes down to yeah. a kick or a big play or a block or something. And uh, I don't know. I just I don't really think this is going to be much of a game where either team blows the other one out. I don't think that's possible. And I don't mm-hmm. think uh, – I don't. I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored either. So this one may come down to a turnover, may come down to a special teams play. Uh, but uh, let's jump over back to Will Muschamp talking about what he sees in Tennessee's improving team. He sees them as improving, kind of like we do, Shane. Particularly in the in the line of play, uh, the line of scrimmage. He's seeing a lot of growth there. And then on Halinski and his, I don't know if you want to call it struggles, but he's just not been the same the last couple of weeks. And the fact that uh, South Carolina keeps trying to push the ball down the field, but for the most part, they're they're not getting much success with that. Coach, like you said, we've seen this Tennessee team get better and better each week. What have you seen is going to be the biggest challenge come this weekend, especially being in Knoxville? Well, I think they're playing really well on the line of scrimmage. Like I said earlier, I thought the offensive line probably played its best game on Saturday against Alabama. And... Uh, you know, they continuing to play well on defense. Uh, they gave Mississippi State fits. They did a good job against Alabama defensively. They're very talented on the back end. So I think overall we got to, you know, put together four quarters and play well. Will, uh, obviously Ryan had some struggles throwing the ball uh, last week. Was the knee a factor in any of that, and how has he kind of bounced back this week or responded this week? I thought he looked the best he's looked on a Tuesday practice uh, since the injury. And, uh, you know, again, I, and I think, Pete, let's be fair here, that wasn't all on Ryan. You know, there was some things we, that could have been a flatter route on one of the deep balls. I mean, there were some things that we could have done better around him. Uh, but, but he'd be the first person to tell you that he needs to be, we need to be more accurate throwing the football. Uh, but I thought he had a really good Tuesday practice today. He was sharp throwing the football. He looked bouncing around in the pocket. Uh, but as healthy as he's been, and I don't think there's any question. But we're, we're all sore right now. We're all we all got some ailments right now, and uh, uh, but he's a competitor and he's going to battle through it. Well, you kind of touched on this already, but uh, what are some of the other things you think you can do to create more of a vertical passing game? I know it was there at times. It's just you know maybe the the obviously the maybe the wet ball had something to do with that too, but the deep shots you know just for some reason the timing didn't work out. But what are some of the things that you guys can do to create more of the vertical passing game? Well, I think turns and reps. I think that that's the big thing that you know we work on a deep balls a lot, and then we knew going into that game that they were going to crowd the box. We were going to have to complete some balls down the field. Uh, so I think that uh, just continue turns and reps and, and with the right guys. And we what, took two with Shy, I believe, and one with Brian. We had Brian on another one. We, we Because of protection, we couldn't get it off. Um, but we had some things dialed up in the game. We hit the, the second play of the game. The flea flicker was a well-thrown ball to, to Brian. So we certainly have the, the capabilities to hit some of those. Uh, we, we hit them in practice a lot, and we've hit them in some games. we just got to be more consistent. And, you know, you change the complexion of the game, you hit one or two of those. That's the thing, but we didn't. So that's the bottom line. It's a results deal, and we didn't get it done. All right, Shane. So do you, do you think it's simple enough to say, with Dattle likely out, you think this game is going to come down to the success of Halinski on the road in Neyland Stadium? Is that what it's going to take for South Carolina to get this W? <sighs> Maybe. I mean, Feaster's very good. Dowdle was a big hit. I, I agree with you there. But I, th- I think this game, I think the formula is out there. To beat Tennessee, you got to pin your ears back. You got to get that quarterback rattled, man. You know, I, I love 
uh, I love Brian. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. But the fact of the matter is he's not yet completed a game since he started. You know, Georgia, he didn't finish. He didn't finish uh, Mississippi State. He got knocked out early in Alabama. And you see there's a significant drop-off from one to two. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the key is take those big nasties up front and apply as much pressure on Brian as you can. And let your off your offense can I they're balanced enough. I, I don't think you need to put this on Holinsky's shoulders. Uh you need to keep keep up the running game. Don't make this a shootout. Um and I think South Carolina could could easily win this game if they stick to that formula. But if they venture off a little bit, or if Brian make exposes that defense, you know, then then it could be a totally different ball game. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing, Shane, I just thought this was this was damn hilarious too. I could not leave this one out. But uh, <laughs> Redshirt Junior Sedarius Hutcherson, the starting left tackle here for the Gamecocks, Shane Will Muschamp had a hell of a tale about finding this kid. He's actually from Tennessee. A lot of uh, you know, these two te- programs recruit each other's states quite a bit, so there's a lot of crossover here. And uh, this was just quite a tale here Will Muschamp had on <laughs> finding the old uh, Sedarius Hutchinson from uh, Middle Tennessee area. How'd you find him in Huntington? We, we watched a lot of tape, watched a lot of tape. We went to well, – I'm Sean Elliott, and I went to his high school, and uh, we couldn't find him in the school. And uh, they've got an FFA, Future Farmers of America, there. Yeah. And he was in the back chasing chickens in the in the in the barn. It's a true story. Oh, I believe like, like a mile and a half of a dirt road, kind of like to find kinda, the guy at the school. Kind of like a Rocky thing, with the footwork, where he chased no, the chicken. I don't know, no, I don't know if he was just like for class or something. I guess they had to put him in a cage. I guess I don't know. Or maybe you can't put him in a cage anymore. I don't know that. <laughs> All right, Shane. Growing up in East Tennessee, we know all about the uh, FAA here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear about them chasing chickens in one of those uh, organizations, are we? No, that was the biggest organization at my school, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> had a whole building over there. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that's it, man. East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, it's all about farming. So, uh, uh, but I'll tell you what, man, I don't ever remember chasing chickens. <laughs> <laughs> They still cage him, by the way. <laughs> All right, Shane. So let's jump on over to the other side of this matchup with Jeremy Pruitt. I've obviously met with the media here recently. And, you know, from all indications, Shane, I really think – I don't think there's any chance Brian Maurer is going to play in this ball game. I think – and that's that's a big reason why I thought they should sit him for the Alabama game just for fear of, of getting that second concussion in as many games. I mean, there's a chance – not that I'm – I'm not hearing any of this, so I don't want to freak anyone out here. But there's a chance Brian Maurer may not even play the rest of the season. I mean, that's how serious they take concussions nowadays. I don't know the specifics of his medical issue. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he completely rule him out for this game even, but based on practice reports and what have you, it certainly sounds like he is nowhere close to starting for Tennessee, heading them to this matchup. And I just... You know, I don't want to bury Garantano. We've kind of went down that hole as well. They don't trust him to run this offense, and why would you after what we've seen the last couple weeks? So I think it's going to be the redshirt freshman, J.T. Shroud, making his first ever start 
And, you know, this could be a situation kind of like we talked about on the previous episode with Mac Jones. When when you force a kid into duty, when he's totally not expecting it, you know, you're just going to get what you're going to get and just hope he doesn't cost you the game. But when you got a full week to game plan with him, get him comfortable, run what he knows, what he's comfortable running, uh, I think that's going to be the game plan. And I'm not saying, you know, to expect J.D. Shroud to light out the world because I've never really seen this kid play. I've seen him throw a couple balls this year, but just don't know much about him. I know he's got a really good arm, but I think it's going to be the J.T. Shroud show. And that tells me, Shane, that uh, they're going to be leaning heavy on this offensive line in this running game. Uh, up going up against South Carolina defensive line that uh, man, there's some they they pushed uh, Jake Fromm around. If they can do that to Jake Fromm, they can do it to any quarterback on Tennessee's roster. I wonder how that works, you know, because with the concussion protocol, I always heard like if you pass the base level, like everybody does like this base level test at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and that's how they figure out if you have a concussion. You haven't, so you have one. But obviously everything was good or he wouldn't have been in the Alabama game. So that baseline, does it change going in with a second concussion? I'm not familiar. I mean, I think we had concussions when I was growing up, but we just we didn't have a thing for it. You know, we called them stingers. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just curious if there is a protocol for a second concussion. Yeah, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not fully educated on that either, Shane, but I've just always been told that if you get a second concussion, you're more susceptible to get more and more and more and so on. So yeah. he really made – that's why I'm throwing it out there. He may not play again this season. I'm not trying to get any any Vol fans to jump off a ledge here, but you know, it just it's all about how he's, he responds to this. And you know, I certainly hope that doesn't happen and – I'm not saying that it's going to, but you just you can't rule that out either. I mean, like you said, every time this kid plays, he's getting hurt. So uh, they may yeah. they may need to, may need to seriously look at uh, his status moving forward. But uh, for this game, I clearly I, I don't think there's any chance he's going to suit up for Tennessee. I think it's going to be Shrout, and they're just going to hope he doesn't screw it up because uh, <laughs> if they do, <laughs> I think and I think that's why Pruitt's. Uh, we'll get to it here in just a minute, but you know he's not burying. Garantano, obviously a lot of people thought that he did their Saturday night and benched him and they put Shroud in the game. But if something, you know, you got to hope nothing happens to Shroud or he doesn't implode, they're going to have to turn it back over to Garantano. And I don't know, I don't know how well that's going to go over. Yeah, I just puked in my mouth, Mike. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I I do think, you know, the Reports I saw, he did practice a little bit today. He was throwing against the air. Um, I, I do think JT needs to come in and get some – I mean, I think that has to be your second option. I think Garantano has wore out his his his, his time here. Um, and uh, the fans, I mean, hell, the fans will revolt if they see number two back there. You know what I'm saying? That's you got to remember, it's, you know, when, it, when you get in seasons like this – Money matters, and uh, if you're not going to make a bowl game, you know you at least want your seats full. You know during regular season, when you do that by keeping them happy, you know, and keep winning. And we can't obviously can't do that with Garantano at quarterback, so we've tried it. Um, and I think the red shirt thing, I think that's out the window, man. Uh, he's played what twice now, so two more, and then he's burnt the red shirt. I think I don't even think they're worried about that at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt on the uh, progress of the offensive line. I thought that's been 
um, you know, outstanding here this season for the Vols. It's it's quickly becoming a strength when it was obviously the biggest weakness heading into the season um, on his de- on his team. They're they're not there yet, but it seems like they're starting to grasp what it takes to become winners. And then finally, I kind of teased it there. Uh, Pruitt was asked about his trust level with Garantano, and uh, I thought I just thought his comments here were pretty interesting. Coach, you already touched on the offensive line, but that was the first time Tennessee's rushed for over 100 yards against Alabama in four years. Is it you know, is that a result of just you know, getting some chemistry, getting the two freshmen seasoned? I mean, where do you see that the reason for that improvement? Well, for one, um, you know we got guys that are starting to get used to playing together. Uh, when you talk about the combination of our offensive line and some of the injuries, you know Jameer Johnson has been injured. Um, Riley Locklear has been injured. Trey not being able to practice. Um, you know, so getting the combinations and then Wanye and Darnell just getting here, uh, you know, throw Calvert in there, Ryan John. There, there's lots of different combinations there. And, um, you know, I think the guys starting to play together in the same system. You know, now we're, we're getting a little bit here, uh, end of the year here. So some of the plays are. You know, they've, they've had a lot of repetitions at it, doing it over and over again. So we're, we continue to improve that. I think our backs uh, are starting to get more comfortable um, with their reads and hitting the holes the right way. Um, so I think a lot of, there's a lot that goes into that. I thought our offensive line um, had an opportunity Saturday, especially in the second half, um, to take the game over. I mean, we go on a long drive there. Um, you know, in the in the fourth quarter there, and, and we don't stick one in down there on the, the one-inch line. But in that drive, our offensive line took the game over, uh, and that was good to see. Jimmy, do, do you think your your guys are starting to maybe get glimpses of, of what good football looks like and, and kind of how fine a line there is between <coughs> when you play a good team, you know, you can do most things right, but just a couple of things that you do wrong are still going to get punished? Yeah, I mean, you look at this past week. I mean, Alabama's really good, really good. And, you know, um, when you sometimes based off their ability and, and the things that they're doing, they cause you to make mistakes. Um, and sometimes um, we make mistakes, you know. And the one thing that we've got to do as a, as a team is, is we, we've got to eliminate the self-inflicted wounds. We've got to eliminate our mistakes uh, and make the other team always beat us. Does that make sense? So, um, and that's, that's something that we've tried to focus on. That's when we talk about playing clean, you know. Um, I mean, it's hard enough to guard these guys, but when you're, when you're supposed to be playing cover two and the safety don't get a half, they're going to have success, right? Because uh, there's lots of times you can do it exactly right and these guys make throws and catches and ain't a whole lot you can do with it. Uh, and, and, you know, we had, we had a couple of those in the game. And we've got to eliminate things like that. Uh, Jeremy, how would you compare the amount of trust that you and your staff have in Jared on the field to where it was maybe in the preseason camp? Well, we trust all of our players. Um, you know, that's one thing we worked so hard to, to build that, um, you know, I guess trust in them. You know, um, again, it goes back to – you you want to you want to rep something so many times uh, 
that you never get it wrong, you know. Um, and that's something that we try to do with all of our all of our positions, uh, you know. But sometimes it comes down to decision making at every position. So um, <coughs> coaches have to earn players' trust, and players have to earn coaches' trust. Uh, it goes hand in hand. So um, you know, Jared's a guy that I've said many times before uh, that I believed in, I believe in. Okay, I think he has what it takes. Okay, but I do think that he needs to be more consistent uh, with the right intangibles so he can play at a little higher level. He knows that. We talked yesterday. Okay, uh, you look at that game. There's like three or four times in the game you're talking about a guy standing in the pocket and making some throws. Done a really nice job, you know. Um, and um, you know, we that game's over with. We got to learn from it and we got to move on. You know. I said after the uh, uh, Georgia game that he would help us win a game or win some games this year, and he did uh, last week against Mississippi State. He's a guy that's going to continue to go to work. All right, me and him have a relationship. I'm going to coach him hard. I'm going to coach all of our players hard. Uh, but he's a guy that I believe in. Okay, and um, and I still do. And wavered in that. All right, Shane. So Pruitt kind of deflected that last one a little bit. <laughs> He's got trust in all his guys, Shane. But uh, clearly, based on the game plan the last couple of weeks and what's happened, I don't think that they really do have any trust in Garantano. So that's that's kind of why I said I don't really see him going out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Can the offensive line for Tennessee, even though they've been progressing, this may be the best defensive line they've seen this season. Maybe Georgia, you can make that argument. It could be the best. But – South Carolina, the strength of that defense is that line going up against Tennessee's offensive line. Is there any chance that Tennessee holds their own in that in that matchup? Oh man, these guys are scary good. I'm telling you, and and they just it feels like they get better every week. And it, you know, it won't be a downpour this week. Those guys, they're going to be able to pin their ears back and get right back to, back to the quarterback. So. This young line is improving. I mean, we saw. I mean, they're not in day from the start of the season, but you know, this is a this is a tall glass of water right here because I do think the Gamecocks are easily a top three defensive front in the SEC in the nation. Man, I mean, that's just how good they are. Mm-hmm. Last thing I got on Tennessee, Shane. Just wanted to gauge your thoughts on this. I don't know if you read this. It wasn't that interesting, but Philip Fulmer wrote a letter to the fans essentially asking them to you know, continue to support the team, show up. I guess they don't have a full sellout yet for this South Carolina game. And the reason I bring this up, Shane, is because Pruitt kind of said something similar during his Monday presser. And I've heard several players either say it uh, during – you know, media availabilities or during, you know, on social media, what have you, asking for the fans to keep keep showing up, keep fighting. And I'm just wondering, as a Tennessee homer here, I don't think the fans have ever been the problem. And I'm not saying that these that, you know, anyone at Tennessee is saying that, but it just seems kind of odd to me that they're they're really putting forth this message this week. Is it do you think it's just because that this game is that big and they need it to be a home field advantage? They got some recruits coming in for this weekend, or do you think it's more like uh, maybe people are losing faith in ten- in this program and this the direction and everything? I don't know. I'm just I'm curious to why they're why they're doing this right now is basically my question to you. I don't I don't know, man. I honestly I've never 
felt more fan support than I than I got at this moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we hit rock bottom pretty early start of the season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, I the, mean, we, and the fans kept coming. They kept coming. I mean, Chattanooga was even loaded up. So I just I think we're okay. I think the fans are okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not hearing any bad vibes, but there is one name floating around here, and it's number two. And I swear, if they put him under quarterback, the Boo Birds will be out, man. And that's not what you want. I mean, and a coach knows that. He's no dummy. So um, I, I think I think he's right. I think he just wants it sold out. He wants this thing, this place rocking, and because we are going to have some recruits in, and this is an opportunity for us to make a bowl game. We've got to catch South Carolina or Missouri uh even i mean you know we have got to catch some breaks this year if we plan on going to a bowl game and this is one of those games that that you've got circled i wouldn't say it's a 50 50 game but you know it's a better shot than beating bama Mm -hmm. all right shane let's kick it down to auburn war damn eagle obviously the tigers going into a matchup against lsu sec game of the week the cbs game it's gonna be a hell of a fight i think and Gus Malzahn met with the media here on Tuesday. And he didn't have a ton to say, but I, I kind of grabbed the highlights of his comments, I thought. And, you know, obviously they didn't respond the way they needed to on the road, in the swamp. Lost that game. It was never really that close. I know the final score looked kind of deceivingly close, but, I mean, that offense never had anything going do you think, particularly with Booby Whitlow out, Shane, any chance that Auburn going into a similar environment is going to be just as hostile there in Baton Rouge with the undefeated LSU? I don't think LSU is going to be overlooking this Auburn team, I, even though I keep hearing people say that. And that's kind of – it's bizarre to me why people would think that. This is one of the best rivalries in the SEC West, and uh, Auburn's only lost one game. I mean, this is a borderline top-10 team. I don't know how you overlook them, but – I guess with that Alabama game looming for LSU, I I guess I kind of see where they're getting at, but I just don't see it. Thoughts on Auburn, Shane, going into this matchup? Do you think they're better prepared? You know, sometimes maybe you just need to get that one out of the way and and just, uh, you know, go into those environments. Because remember, this team went into College Station, and, I mean, it didn't affect them at all. But Mm -hmm. then going into the swamp, it was a completely different story. So, I just don't know which Auburn we're going to get this week on the road at LSU. Yeah, I, I think this game, I, and I don't want to, I'm like you, man. I don't want to say it doesn't mean as much to LSU, but I think it means more to Auburn. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, nobody's talking about them anymore. Nobody's talking about them as a playoff team like they were a few weeks ago. So they will be if they can beat the LSU Tigers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If they, they come in here. So there's a bullseye on LSU. There's, and that there's always going to be a bullseye on LSU until until they lose. And if they don't lose, they'll just always be getting the best out of every team they play. LSU can overlook teams, man. I know, I know you don't want to hear that, but you know, these people, these fans, man, they're they're ready, dude. They, this is it. This is the greatest LSU team they've had since they won a national championship. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's where they're at right now. But you gotta be careful with teams like Auburn because they have what is needed to win these type of ball games, man? They got a great defense. They've got a young quarterback, yes, but a talented young quarterback. And if he's bringing his A game, he makes the weapons on the outside that much better. So, the best way to get him out is 
I mean, Bo, we've seen it with Florida, is you got to be loud, you got to be crazy, and you got to get after him and get him rattled. And if he gets, if he goes down that same rabbit hole he did with the Florida Gators, then you don't have to worry about this team. But if you let him build confidence to this game, then yeah, man, this could be a hell of a ball game. Yeah, and the weather's and the weather's going to be like nasty down there, you know. So I mean, that's I, I'm not saying it's going to hurt hurt the passing game, but things. I mean, we saw what it did against teams like Georgia and Kentucky last week. Yeah, and you make a good point because to me, as an Oregon, I've not watched a lot of them. I've not watched any of them, to be honest with you, since this Auburn game. But from what I understand, they're one of the favorites in the Pac-12. Let's say they win that conference, and Auburn gets this upset on Saturday. I mean, they're they're looking at one of the marquee resumes of all the college football. I think when the college football playoffs come out, the rankings, mm-hmm. Auburn's going to be in the top five based on what they've done. I I really think that. Yeah. Because there's just not that many undefeated teams left. But so everything's in front of them, Shane. This big game. Let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn on how they're preparing to deal with the crowd noise. Obviously didn't do that well against Florida doing that. Uh, on LSU's offense, what Gus sees, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a real challenge. I know Auburn's got that great defensive line, but if you can't get to Joe Burrow because he gets it out so quick, it, it kind of really minimizes that. And then, of course, one of the weirdest stats in the SEC, Auburn has not won in Death Valley since 1999. Oh, mm. Gus is tired of hearing it. Yeah, uh, well, not just crowd noise, but just some uh, some little wrinkles that we feel like can help us, you know, as far as our communication goes and and uh, along those lines. You know, they do a good job of getting the ball out quick too. They, uh, you know, they've done a good job, and he's uh, he can extend plays. I mean, you're talking about a complete guy. I mean, he throws the ball vertically down the field. He's very accurate. He's very accurate. With his intermediate and his quick game, and he can extend plays. He's a good runner too. I mean, they they can call quarterback runs, and he can run it too. So, you know, he's a complete quarterback. Is this the team though that does throw it down the field a little bit more than, than the, most people do? They, they throw it down the field, and matter of fact, when they throw it down the field, they're pretty accurate. You know, so they're not just to take shots. I mean, they're they uh, they usually make you pay when they throw it down the field. Well, I mean, no, I don't have to bring it up because everybody else brings it up. You know, and our guys know, uh, you know, but at the same time, just from a coach's standpoint, that every year is different, and it doesn't matter what happened in the past. I mean, you got an opportunity, you got to go seize that, seize the opportunity. So that's really as simple as, as it gets as far as our approach. You know, just I guess we hadn't found a way to finish. You know, when I think of when you say that, of course, I get asked that just about every time, but, you know, two years ago we – had an opportunity and we didn't we didn't finish the game and uh, so if we get that opportunity again we we got to do a better job of finishing so that's probably the best way to answer that. When you look at that game two years ago, how much blame do you put yourself? Uh, a lot, a whole lot. Matter of fact, all losses you, you look at yourself first, you know. So like I said if we get in that situation, I got to do a better job too. All right, Shannon, can't blame Gus. Uh, he almost broke this streak the last time in uh, 2017. They had a 20-point lead, and they blew it to keep this streak alive. Man, how sweet would it be for Gus? You know, of all the things he's had to put up with, Cousin Shane had him fired by week zero. (laughs) That's true. Now here, if he ends this streak, I mean, not to say his – I certainly don't think his seat is hot anymore, but, 
I mean, he'll just obliterate all that talk if he gets if he beats this LSU team, don't you think? Yeah, and and you know he's had some really good wins, but I just I still don't think he's found that signature win yet. And this is this is his opportunity, man. Um, the, I mean, the, nobody's got him. Nobody's betting for Auburn. I mean, unless you're just a diehard Auburn fan or Bo Nix parents, you know what I'm saying? They just <laughs> ain't nobody ain't nobody got faith in this team. But I'm telling you, just few weeks ago we were talking about they could be one of the best teams in the nation and they just they just had an off game man that they, they couldn't get anything going offensively and if they can find that i mean look what they did to arkansas you know it was a little sluggish at first but once they turned it on dude it's 51 points you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. this team has the weapons this team is that good it's just we're, we're kind of forgetting about them and you can't do that with the war damn eagles a final thing here on Auburn Chain. I just thought this was hilarious. Gus, Gus has got a sense of humor too when he wants one. But uh, he was asked during his latest media availability uh, if there's any way to prep for the wind. Biggest way. Sounds like it's going to be wet and swampy down there. Now, does that affect the, the things that you rep this week? Knowing maybe you'd be better off running. No, I mean I think you got to. It, it just depends. Okay, so if it is a torrential downpour, you got to have a plan. But if it's just raining, you know, you practice in the rain, you just got to keep footballs dry, and it doesn't change a whole lot. Now, wind, that's when you really get concerned, you know, from a wind is the biggest factor that can change a game, in my opinion. But you separate the torrential downpour, okay, you have a plan, and then you have a wind plan. But if it's just raining, you just got to keep, you know, dry football in there, and you do what you do, and it is what it is. Can you simulate wind? In practice. Yeah, you can. How about that? You practice outside, it's going to be windy sometimes, you know, and so you can simulate it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I still can't believe it yet. Someone asked this damn question, but, uh, I mean, that was a perfect response by God. Yeah, we're just going outside, there's wind. <laughs> oh, man, there's some dumb people out there, Mike. There are some dumb people. <laughs> it's like the elevation. How do you prepare for the elevation? Yeah, we're just going to fly them up there to the mountains and <laughs> do a little practicing. That's how we get ready. <laughs> well, speaking of elevation, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Barry Odom met with the media here on Tuesday to preview the matchup there against Kentucky. And this is going to be a crucial game for the Tigers, Shane, coming off that loss. And this is once again... This is on the road. I briefly mentioned that last week going to Vanderbilt. This is only the second road test. Probably should have put more consideration into that considering what happened there at Wyoming. I thought that had more to do with the elevation. Maybe this team just can't play on the road for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. They have got to overcome that this week. And based on what, uh, you know, both these coaches had to say, it sounds like Sawyer Smith getting much closer to play. I think that would obviously be huge for Kentucky just to – you may not even move Lynn Bowden back to receiver, maybe just do kind of a dual system. I don't know, but uh, they really need someone to be able to push that ball down the field. The biggest thing this week for Missouri is how they're going to respond because obviously we know with this uh, NCAA sanctions and all that, they had the perfect response to dropping the opener. You know, that was embarrassing, but – we about got over that to last week. You know, they were ranked in the AP poll. They were looking good first in the SEC. And then they lose again. So 
The big challenge for Barry Odom and his group responding to that one. Uh, thoughts on how they'll do? You know, do you think they'll bounce back once again, or is this something where I don't know? How do how do you think they respond to this one? I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's all about the leaders, and unfortunately, one of your biggest leaders is hurt. And um, I, I think that these guys, I think they do bounce back. I I think coach coaches. He's going to get these guys ready, and he's going to sell them on the dream that they still are, can write their own check, man. You know, you've only got one loss in the SEC, and we're still working on the sanctions. We're still going to try to get that flipped around. So I don't know. I think maybe you kind of create that positive vibe and 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 just flush this game. You weren't prepared. You were overlooking them, and, um, and, and they get back to what you were doing. And that's, you know, that's that's – getting Roundtree going, mm-hmm. that's getting, uh, you know, Kelly uh, some yards rushing, getting him, you know, a little more time in the pocket. I, I think getting back to that stingy, angry, turnover-creating defense, you know, if they can do that, then I think they'll be fine. But uh, it it comes down to Odom, and, and he's, he's – I mean, he's been up there long enough. He's a hell of a motivator. I think he'll be able to get these guys fired back up. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind, Shane, remember last year against Kentucky, that was the game where basically Missouri had the lead, from what I recall, for basically the entire damn game. Kentucky could do nothing on offense. They got the ball, you know, the last possession, and they drove down the length of the field, and then there was that controversial pass interference there in the end zone, gave Kentucky another shot. And then they won it there at the very, very end. Yeah, just keep watching that on loop, huh? <laughs> I think that's going to mo- motivate Missouri all week. A lot of those guys that were there remember that game. So that's something Barry Odom hit on that. On uh, First, he talks about to responding to another tough loss on last year's loss to Kentucky. And then finally on facing Lynn Bowden. Uh, let's kick it over to Odom. Oh, I think this more than anything, and, and I hopeful we'll do it again, right? That uh, you're open and you're honest with the assessment. You know, you don't, you know, I don't ever think that, that it's one person or one coach or one area. It's all of us collectively together. You know, I'm not uh, in the in the position to, to uh, place blame uh, other than put it on me. And I didn't get us in position already uh, to go play our best, and, and we got outplayed. So um, I think our players respect that i think also it's a feel for each team every team's different and the ownership that we've got in the care that they have on trying to make a wrong trying to make it right it's there um you know it's it's never you know you can't just uh say okay now we addressed it now it's over let's go fix it uh now we've got now the action part of it happens and uh it's going to take a tremendous effort to go end up in the winner's circle uh, this next week we understand that i think for some it probably does uh, you know, on how on how that game played out and uh, goes down to the wire. You know, you always like I mentioned in the in the very beginning, the, the power of experiences, and that's one that you know sticks with a, a lot of guys that were still here. You know, staff, coaches, players, whoever. Uh, guys use different motivation, different ways, and I'm, I'm sure for some that that uh, you know, anytime you you face an opponent again, and you you always look back to the experience you had previously against them. So I'm, I'm sure it does for some. Well, you look, anytime he touches the ball, you need to know, number one, where he's lined up. You know, in the punt return game, quarterback, receiver, running back, wherever he is, 
you know, they're a really good team when he's got the ball. So we, we all know that. We know that, that he's going to make some plays also. Um, you know, it would be a, a pretty foolish to think that it's going to shut him down completely. You want to limit those explosiveness plays. You know, you've got to eliminate, you know, manage those to an extent, but also just be aware and, and understand that, that we've got to play assignment sound. Um, you know, and the knowing of they're going to try to feed him the ball would be my guess. And you, this guy that you've got to be great tacklers. You got to use your leverage the correct way. You know, and if you're going to take a shot, you better make sure that you got somebody there to help you out. All right, Shane. So based on what Barry Odom had to say there, I think they'll be really focused in because of what happened last year. Want to get a little revenge factor, but uh, they got a lot of respect for Lim Bowden and. I think if not for that damn monsoon in Athens last week, Bowden would have had a little bit better game. I mean, he had a yeah. hell of a game against Arkansas, and we've seen Missouri's defense be a little suspect. The key to this one, obviously, is going to be limiting Lynn Bowden. It's going to be fascinating to see how this uh, how this Missouri team responds. Man, I think they're going to have their hands full. You know, Lynn, I, I mean, I hope they – Iced him all week, man, because <laughs> he's been, you know, I hope kids are carrying him to class and everything, you know. He is just ready. He's loosened, loosened up because if Missouri doesn't watch it, man, you're going to look up and Bud's going to have 200 yards rushing on you because he is just, he is a hell of a running back, man. I, I, I mean, I know he's a receiver playing quarterback, but the man is a running back. And he's just got an eye for those sticks. He's able to. He's always able to push the ball vertical. So um, I hope that they get a little bit more passing involved this week. And I hope these receivers learn how to catch the ball and uh, keep it balanced because this is another. This could be another exciting ball game, man. Yeah. Well, let's jump on down to Lexington, the other side of this matchup, Shane. Mark Stoops met with the media here this week. And I know this is going to be a tough game, but at least they're getting it at home against a Missouri team coming off a tough loss. And look at it this way, Shane. A couple weeks ago, uh, you know, Kentucky kind of spiraling out of control, spiraling down, losing all these quarterbacks. And, you know, the season could have very easily been lost. But if they get this win, if they manage to beat Missouri at home in Lexington, they get a week off after that. And then look at the rest of this schedule, Shane. They, they play Tennessee at home. Then they play at Vanderbilt. They get UT Martin at home. And then they get Louisville at home, who's in a first-year coach and kind of struggling. I mean, the Wildcats, I mean, don't look now, Shane, but if they pull this one off, I mean, we're looking at a you know a realistic opportunity here for them to, to reel off five games in a row. I mean, they're going to have to play some really good football to do that, but... I mean, this, that's, uh, I think that's something I'm selling if I'm Mark Stoops right now. Absolutely. People remember what you did in November, Mike. So they got an opportunity to, like you said, win out, get in a bowl game, create some recruiting momentum. That's what you want to have, man. And, and you got Terry coming back next year. I think you'll be in good shape. So, uh, just hang in there, but they've got it. It, it all starts here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, Kentucky's a hangover top team, and and if they lose this one, I'd be suspect on them against Tennessee. You know that's just how it's been this year. So, mm-hmm. but they get that momentum behind them, then they become a scary team again. Yeah, and maybe there there's a chance Vanderbilt has found a blueprint to beat Missouri and Derek Dooley's defense, or excuse me, Derek Dooley's offense. 
Uh, that's something Mark Stoops hit on during his presser and on the challenge of facing Missouri's offense, which is very balanced. He's got a lot of, a lot of outstanding pieces all around Kelly Bryant. Uh, this is going to be a tall task for Kentucky this weekend. Vanderbilt moved the ball pretty well using two quarterbacks, including one which was a runner. What? Um, how, how did how did that give Missouri problems? Well, uh, you, you know, Vandy just did a nice job overall. You know, I thought they played good on in all sides. Played extremely hard um, at home, and uh, you know they did keep them off balance. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not in Vandy's you know locker room and and, and their meetings, but uh, but they do a good job with what they have. And I think we're going to have to look at all options again. I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not sitting here trying to throw you guys for a loop or anybody else. You, you know, the situation is what it is with our quarterback situation. And uh, I thought Lynn did some really good things that are hard to see all the time. You put on that film. And uh, again, he is uh, relentless, just extremely tough. Uh, we had some really tough yards. Had two critical scrambles again, and both got called back with uh, with penalties. And um, but this this week we gotta we gotta again look at the the best options, all options, um, to help us move the football. And hopefully Sawyer will be back to um, near 100 percent. You know, it's we're used to it, it as far as the league. You know. Um, you know, it's, a, it's brutal each and every week. It's, it's going to be difficult. It is what it is. Our guys understand that. So it's just a new challenge. It's the challenge of the week. And Kelly's had a really good year and can make all the throws. He can certainly hurt you with the run game. They have some design cue run game as well that puts a lot of pressure on you with as well as they throw the ball and how fast they are at receiver. Those, their numbers are right up there with Georgia as mm -hmm. far as defensively. Have you seen... Have you seen them kind of respond since their their stud Garrett went out a week or two ago? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen. You know, he's a great player. I don't think there's any denying that that it's going to change. You know, it's kind of like us when you take Terry out. Uh, you know, the leadership that he has and the ability that he has, he's just not there. I mean, I'm sure I'm not in their locker room. I don't know. I mean, uh, they still play at a very high level. You know, no one guy makes it, but he was certainly a great player. All right, Shane, so Mark Stoops, he sounds confident, but I think he really knows that he's got, uh, you know, a tall task in front of him here to lead Kentucky over Missouri. How confident should these Wildcats fans be that they can get off the mat here and, and beat a really good Missouri team? Uh, I mean, I, 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 don't, I think there's a lot of heart in this team. I think there's a lot of – this kind of same – Situation we've seen with a few teams in the SEC. I, I think the I think the the fans know what they have. I mean they, they they've been dealt some pretty rough cards here, and uh, the fact that you've been able to survive this long without a quarterback is impressive. But did you did you sense that Smith was going to get any playing time? I mean he didn't rule it out. Do you think there's still a, an opportunity he he comes out this week? I don't know. I think. For whatever's wrong with him, it's it's kind of weird that he's been out so long and he's not had any kind of surgery. You know, you think yeah, it's I I feel like we're going on three or four weeks now of him being out. So, I mean, he's got to be getting close. Maybe they're waiting till after the bye week, but uh, Kentucky certainly's not tipping their hand. Barry Odom thinks Sawyer Smith is going to play, but 
I think I heard old uh, Chad Morris and, and Kirby Smart, and I think I heard them all say it. So um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of remains to be seen. But uh, I think if Kentucky has a chance, not that Sawyer Smith is some kind of savior or something, but I think they need him just to have some semblance of balance on offense. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a good time to do it against a team like Missouri. Even though they had a bad week, they're still a great team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now these guys are probably preparing for Lynn. And then if they come out and Smith's throwing, you know, I, whoever they catch with Smith, you know, they're going to throw out all the practice that they've done the week prior because me and you think they're waiting to the bye. But, man, who knows? They may roll them out this week and have a slight advantage because that's, I mean, that's what how Stoops does, man. All right, Shane, that's all the news I got around the league, but I do have uh, a little bit of recruiting news here that uh, a lot of these SEC fans are going to want to keep an eye on Wednesday morning. Five-star tight end, number 10 overall prospect in the nation, Eric Gilbert, Marietta, Georgia. He announced on Tuesday he's going to make his decision Wednesday morning. I think it's around 11 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he's going to make it between Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, and Clemson. Those are his five. But uh, SEC fans are into recruiting. You're going to have to watch that one because this this Gilbert kid, he's ranked number 10. But I think he's even better than that, Shane. I think this is – I don't want to say Julio Jones. That may be a little too bold. But he's that caliber of an athlete. Uh, He's just a complete mismatch at Georgia high school level. We all know how good – High school football is in Georgia. This guy's a difference maker, and uh, whatever school he selects, I think they're getting a real gem here. Do you ever see one of these? Uh, it's got a short list, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? F it. I'm going to Tennessee. Do you ever get one of those? Yeah. I mean, it, it, in today's <laughs> day and age, Shane, I don't put anything past any of these kids. Sometimes they do. They put out these fake, you know, these lists that are fake, and they just want to surprise people. So. Uh, the buzz is that it, it sounds like it's going to be Alabama, but you know, okay. jo- you know, Georgia's not going to, you know, they're going to put the full full court press on, and Kirby Smart's won his fair share of battles over Nick Saban, so, and you never can rule out uh, Coach O and Jimbo either. So, this is going to be <laughs> one th- to watch here on Wednesday. You think you think Lance Thompson's texting him right now? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> All right, Shay, that's all I got. You got anything before we hop off here? No, that's it, man. We got reviews, and I know they're piling up, but I swear I'm going to get to them. We did get our 300th one, so I appreciate whoever that was. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. They have been fantastic, Mark. We have got some great fans out there, and, and I appreciate all the support, all the love online. Uh, if you got your koozie, uh, throw your beer of choice in there or, or water. I don't know what you're drinking. We had coffee, you coffee, know. So, yep. yeah, whatever you got, take a pic, send it to us. We'll retweet it. I appreciate everybody uh, doing that. You know, it's just it's just fun. My little girl, she's even got her koozies now. She's taking them to school. So, <laughs> so I love it, man. And uh, we got some great football this week, Mike. Uh, and I promise uh, about the reviews, I will get to those probably tomorrow, okay? Yeah, sounds good to me, Shane. And remember, if you have not given us your rating or review, uh, hop on over to Apple Podcasts. Do that. We'll send you a koozie of your choice. You reach out to us over at uh, thatsecpodcast at gmail.com 
or uh, just hit us up on Twitter. We're, we're always on there as well. So however you want to do that, we really appreciate all the support we get. We want us, That's just a way of us for saying thank you for all you guys. We wouldn't have a show without you. So uh, just that means a lot to us. So that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.